Hey, everybody, welcome to church. Man, we are so glad that you're with us. I want to welcome just everybody, and I definitely want to welcome all of our City Hope family. And I know that we have some of our City Hope family that just started gathering back together in small gatherings in house parties. And so uh, I know what it's like to worship alone, and it's amazing, uh, but it is just a different level when you can worship just in a community, uh, just with, with other people. And so that's what you were able to do in that house party. So I know that you enjoyed that but we're so glad that you're with us. And I know we have people that have tuned in for the very first time, and here you are with us today. And I wanna say welcome to you. And for, uh, for you and anyone else that don't know, I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening throughout the week because uh, the message on the weekend is great. We have kids right after this. Our, our kids' ministry is going to happen right after this, and that's great. But throughout the week, we do some really cool things. Just social media, we push out some devotions uh, throughout the week just to kind of, man, help us to focus on God and everything he's doing throughout the week. And then also we have our midweek Bible study. We kicked that off a few weeks ago, and we're in the middle of the book of James. And if you haven't seen any of those, if you haven't tuned in on Wednesday nights, you ought to do that. Let me tell you, we just, we're just going verse by verse through the book of James and unpacking it and like, man, just learning so much about it, just a little bit deeper, honestly. And so it's been a lot of fun. So be a part of that with us. And the other thing I want to invite you to is last week we kicked off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we just wanted to like seek God in the middle of where we are. We're like, God, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to speak to our hearts individually, in our families, and corporately as a church? So last week, we called our church to a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so what we did is last Sunday, we met at all of our campuses from 6 to 7 p.m. And we prayed live and in person. And we're going to do that again tonight at all of your campuses, all of our campuses. Show up at 6 o'clock and let's just pray. Let's engage God. And the fasting piece is like this. It's a little bit different. What we're doing is on Sunday night, like last week on Sunday night, we fasted from 6 p.m. Sunday night to 6 p.m. Monday night. And we're going to do that again this week. So tonight from 6 p.m., So tomorrow, 6 p.m., we're going to fast, and then we're going to pray throughout the week. And if you're a social media person, pay attention. If you haven't, if you're not following City Hope Live, definitely do that on on Facebook, Instagram, because what we're doing is daily we're pushing out scriptures. And the idea of these scriptures is that we're just unified, that we're all praying the same thing, we're standing on the same promises, and in the same space like every single morning. So be a part of that. We've got two more weeks. Uh, So if you, you weren't a part of it last week, that's totally okay. we still got two weeks. And let's just hear what God has to say to us. Something else we started last week was a series entitled Heaven to Earth. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pick up on the second part of this series. And what we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven and what it would look like here on this earth if we were able to just get the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. Because it's so important that that kingdom is established here. And Jesus did that years ago. But he talked a lot about the kingdom. Jesus would say things like this, like Jesus' go-to sermon, if you will, was this right here. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what he's really saying there, he's saying, listen, just think a little bit differently because the kingdom is here. Like he established it. And another thing, another thing you would hear him say, he said this in Matthew 6, he said, listen, seek first his kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, seek first that kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So it wasn't a foreign thing that Jesus talked about, something he talked about on a regular basis. He went, even, he went as far when he was teaching us how to pray. When he was talking to us, he was talking to the disciples and anyone who would listen, he said this, he said, hey, when you pray, pray this way. 
God, your kingdom come and your will be done here on heaven, here on earth, as it is in heaven. Think about that. We live on this earth, but Jesus is saying, hey, you can pray. God, let your kingdom come to this earth. Let us experience your kingdom here on this earth. And I just really don't believe that Jesus would tell us to do that if it wasn't possible. I absolutely believe it's possible to live in the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. And let me tell you how we do that. The only way that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is going to exist on this earth is going to be through true citizens of heaven. And that's what you and I are. I'm not talking about someone that's passed away. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about Christ followers, citizens of heaven. We're just here temporarily, but we don't have to wait until we pass away to experience this incredible kingdom. Like We can have that here. It's people who are willing to do two things is the way I see it. Look at this. People who are willing to first seek God. Just seek him. Matter of fact, I would add, I would add another word to this. I would say this. I would say people who are willing to seek God first. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but whatever you seem to be the most focused on, like whatever you're seeking above any and everything else, it seems like everything else in your life kind of falls into that track and that train of where you're headed. So when we begin to seek God like never before, like all the other pieces of our life kind of fall in behind that, which is a good thing. So it's people who are willing to do two things. One, seek God. And they're also willing to do this. They're they're, they're willing to surrender all. People who are willing to surrender all. And really what I mean by that is just what it says to surrender all to surrender everything. And I believe when we come to Jesus, we come and we pray a prayer, many of us, and we say, God, I, I give you everything. I give you my life. And, and some of us say, God, I, I give you everything. But what I found to be true in my life and, and others is that we don't really give him everything. We, we give him just certain things and we hold some things back for some reason. I don't, I don't totally get it. But when I say surrender all, I'm talking about everything. What about my finances, Dale? Yep, give him that. What about my marriage? Yep, give him that. What about my calling? Yep, give him that. Your plans, like even your dreams. What if you, what if you surrendered your beliefs to Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus, this is what I believe, but I'm just going to surrender them to you. And to me, like that's true humility when you surrender everything. And you're just trusting God for, for everything. It, you know, it, it's even surrendering your preferences. It's surrendering your stance. And you may be like, what do you mean surrender your stance? It seems like over the last, I don't know, few years, the, everything about our country is like, man, we, we're, we're, we've got a stance. We've got a position that we've taken. And, and I'm not saying give that up. It, it may be just exactly what God wants you to do. But have you ever surrendered that to him? Because I know for me, like I've taken stances over things before. And I'm like, this is where I stand on this situation. And, and I found out that over time, it's like God will circle back around. He'll be like, Dale, I see what you're trying to do there, but I really think you probably want to tweak that just a little bit. You may not want to take that stance exactly. And, and, it, and it caused me, or the only way I could do that is really just to surrender everything. It's people who are willing to say this, say, God, this is what I want, but really and truly, I just want your will, whatever you want to do. Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, let, he, he knew he was about to go to the cross. And he said, 
Father, if you can let this cup pass from me, that'd be great. But nevertheless, your will, not my will. So that's how the kingdom comes. And in Matthew 5, uh, Jesus begins this incredible sermon, and he starts talking about these. It's called, the the first part of that is uh, Matthew 5, is called the Beatitudes. And what they are, they're just kingdom attitudes. It's, it's kingdom characteristics, if you will. And he kicks this, um, this message off with, with all of these kingdom attitudes. And there's nine verses, verses uh, 3 through 11. And they start this way. Every one of them, they start this way, depending on the translation uh, of, of the Bible that you read. Here's what it says. It says, blessed are the, and, and then it goes on. Or it might, have, it might say this, God blesses those who do this, 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 this. Another translation says this, hey, listen, you're blessed when you do this. And this is a big deal because let me tell you what blessed actually means. Look at this. It, it means divine joy. What you could say right there is supernatural joy. Think about that for a minute. When's the last time like you experienced joy? And here he's saying, listen, if you want to have supernatural joy and if you want to have perfect happiness, Like, you'll do these things. So when he says, hey, those are blessed that do this, he's saying those that want supernatural joy, like, this is what they'll do. And so this was something, when you're thinking supernatural joy, if I came to you and said, hey, listen, if you want supernatural joy, let me tell you what to do. Like, man, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be like your watch. You're flipping through the channels, and uh, if you've ever done this, and all of a sudden this infomercial comes up, and this very loud, annoying person is just going to town. And, and it's like you don't want to hear it because it's just too obnoxious. But they say something like, man, you want, a, you want, you want, a six, you want six-pack abs in six days? You're like, yes. <laughs> man, you're on the edge of your couch. You're like, man, he, he's so annoying, but I want that so bad. And then you can't, you can't find yourself to turn the channel. You lay the remote down. Or somebody, you know, you're flipping through and they say, you want to lose 20 pounds in 20 days? You're like, Yep. Absolutely. So you're hanging right there on the edge and you're like, I'm waiting to hear how this is going to happen. Like, I believe when people are hearing Jesus say, hey, you want supernatural joy? They're like, yep. They're thinking that. You're thinking that right now. Like, of course, we absolutely want that. And so for us, for the disciples, for anybody else that's listening to Jesus, like this is where you pull out your notebook and you're like, yes, I want supernatural joy. So you get ready to take these notes to find out what what he's talking about. And then Jesus begins with these eight beatitudes, these kingdom attitudes. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through every one of them. I'm going to talk through two of them today, but the very first one is in Matthew 5, 3. Now remember, these are the things that's going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So Matthew 3, it says this, it says, blessed supernatural joy, perfect happiness come or or are for the poor in spirit. Now, if we were just going to be real, that's not what I anticipate is coming next. I'm thinking I'm going to hear something like, blessed are the rich, blessed are those who have it all. And, And he says, man, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he goes on to say, listen, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that's the point, 
right there, when, when I get that, if I'm watching the infomercial, that, that's when the, the, the thing I want so bad, the six-pack abs, the, the 20, lose 20 pounds in 20 days, I want supernatural joy, and then all of a sudden you realize the price is a little bit different than what I was willing to pay, a little bit more than what I'm willing to pay, whether it's financially or, or nutrition or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I want that, but I'm not willing to do that. I turn the channel. And I think a lot of people read this and they're like, man, I want to be blessed, but this whole poor in spirit thing, like, I don't even get that. Like, what does that even mean? Because let's be real. I mean, if we just real talk, nobody wants to be poor. You don't, you don't want to be poor. Most of the people I know, man, work really hard not to be poor. Like they, they pursue higher education. They pursue training, technical training. Uh, I know people buy lottery tickets, like whatever, like nobody wants to be poor. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to be blessed, if you want the supernatural joy, you have to be poor. And here's what you have to remember. We're not talking about earthly attitudes. We're talking about kingdom attitudes and it's just upside down. It's, it's backwards. It's opposite than anything we would ever pursue here on this earth. And it's confusing. And we flip right through a, a, a scripture like this. I don't really know what that means, poor in spirit. Let's move on to, the, you know, that, that's kind of deal. But let me tell you what, what I believe Jesus is saying here. I believe he's saying, listen, blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. And, and recognize is a big deal right there. But blessed are those who recognize their spiritual poverty. Or you could say this, their spiritual inadequacy. And it's so much more than just praying a prayer. Like you can become a Christ follower. You can pray a prayer. You can love Jesus. You can be passionate about Jesus. But here's the question I have for you. And this is the question that honestly God's been asking me for the last two weeks preparing for this. Do we recognize our need for total dependence on God? Do we recognize our need for total dependence on God. Look at this scripture. This is John in Revelations. Now, John got this, revel, uh, this revelation, and, he, and God's given him these, these uh, letters to write to these different churches. So he's writing this, and he's writing this to a church, okay? And he says this. He says, listen, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What he's saying there, listen, and, and you've been there. You've, like, we, get this, we get to this place and we feel like, man, we've got it all. Everything's good. But spiritually, like we are destitute. Spiritually, we have nothing, man. We are just poor in spirits, what he said. And he said this about this church. He said, listen, you think you've got it all together, but I'm telling you, you missed the most important thing. You don't recognize how dependent you need to be on me. And, and let, me just, let me just help you with something. We're all poor in spirit. Every single one of us, we're poor in spirit. And you may say, Dale, if you say that, why, do I feel, why don't I feel blessed if I'm poor in spirit? Because many of us just don't realize that we're poor in spirit. Because when we realize it, that's, man, that's when we become blessed. That's when we, because we, we start to depend on God like never before when we start to realize it. So when we become completely, when we become, become poor in spirit, we become completely dependent on God for spiritual things, and then the kingdom of heaven becomes available to us. You see that? That's the blessing. It's not the poor in spirits, the blessing. The blessing is the kingdom, the kingdom becomes available to us right here, right now, because we get in this dependency mode and need God like never before. That's the blessing. It gives us complete access to the kingdom. It says theirs. 
for those who are poor in spirit, that realize they're poor in spirit, man, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's, it's when you're poor in spirit, I think of it this way, it's when you're at the end of your rope, when you're just, you've been there, I'm at the end of myself, I'm at the end of my rope, none of us really wanna be there, but that is when we're at the beginning of God's hope, when we're right there at the end of ourselves, so it's really not a bad place to be. And I believe the, the door to the riches of heaven open when we realize that we need God every moment of every day. Like I need him every moment for every breath that I take, every, every interaction that I have. There's this old song that used to, used, to, uh, used to go like this. It was, I can't even walk. It's an old gospel song. It says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. And it's like, Dale, I, I can do some things by myself. Not, not really. <laughs> and realize that, that we need God for everything. So that's the first beatitude. That's the first kingdom attitude. And I want you to look at the second one. This Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. It's another one of those, I want to turn the channel. Who wants to mourn, you know? But you're telling me a supernatural joy is available to me if I'm willing to mourn? What does that even mean? It doesn't sound fun. So when we talk about mourning, we're talking about sorrow, we're talking about grieving, something that most of us honestly push away. And you can mourn anything. You could grieve anything. You know, uh, something I immediately think about is you, you mourn the loss of a loved one. I mean, that's real. You can actually mourn uh, your sin or someone else's sin. I mean, like when we, when we make a decision, when we fall to temptation uh, and, and, you know, miss the mark, if you will, sometimes we're okay with the consequences of that. But, man, just, just the grief that comes, the shame that comes, it's almost too overwhelming to face. So a lot of times we kind of just push it away. We pull away, we, we detach, we, we emotionally disconnect, whatever it is. We just avoid it, we self-medicate. Like, we, man, I can't step into that kind of grief. I don't know what to do in that kind of place, that kind of sorrow, all that. But Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, not just that face it, not just the people who face mourning that just, you know, give it. I'm talking about those who are willing to emotionally and physically like step into it and almost let it overwhelm them. You know, Jesus did this. There's a story where his friend Lazarus died. And many of us know that he comes in and he raises Lazarus up to, to life. But what happens if you back up in that, when he actually showed up to town, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was troubled. Like Jesus allowed himself, all God, all man, he allowed himself to step in that moment of sorrow and be overcome with it. It says he was troubled. It actually said that Jesus wept. So maybe you found yourself mourning over something, mourning over someone, or maybe you found yourself just uh, mourning or, or distressing over the weight of, of your sin, or like I said, somebody else's, I don't know. But let me ask you this question, because we've all been there. We've all been in places of sorrow, of mourning. Like, where did it drive you? Where did you turn? Did you turn toward God, or did you turn away from God? Because I've heard story after story after story of, of someone in, in just deep, grieving mode and what happens is I just had a conversation yesterday of someone that's in the middle of grieving right now but what has happened is it's turned them so so close to God and they're they're hearing so much and God's doing so much in their lives and I've, I've heard so many other stories where they, they people will get in the middle of a, a grieving moment like that and literally turn their back on God they'll push God away they'll try to get away from that situation so where did it drive you where, where do those moments drive you 
Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. He had wrote this letter to them and he says, listen, I know I distressed you greatly with my letter. Although I felt awful at the time, he said, I don't feel all that bad now. Now that I see how it turned out, the letter upset you only for a while. He said, but now I'm glad. Not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You let the distress bring you to God, not drive you from him. Same thing. Like They're in that moment of distress, and it drove them to God. He said the result was all gain and no loss. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. Listen, when we can be present in our pain and allow it to turn us toward God, we'll never regret it. We may never want to go back through it again because it's tough. But what God does in the middle of it, man, we never regret that. He said, but those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. So when you're in the middle of sorrow, first of all, do you even allow yourself to experience it? Are you, like Jesus, I mean, are you willing to physically, emotionally, like, let it just be overcome by it so that you can get in that place so that God can bless you, so that you can be comforted? Because that's what it says. It says, God promises if you will just accept it for the moment, you'll be comforted. Look at this scripture. It's another one. It's 2 Corinthians. It's Paul again. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. I love this scripture right here. He says he comforts us in all of our troubles. That's the blessing. Blessed are those who mourn, who who face these troubles because God's going to comfort them. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with the comfort through Christ. And look at this. Even when we are weighed down in troubles or weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and it's for your salvation. Even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort, it's for your salvation. Now, let me just really quick, let me go ahead and do this last scripture. Let me show you this. Because let me, you don't have to go looking for trials. When I'm saying, listen, Blessed are those who mourn. Don't, don't think, man, I've got to go looking for grief so that I can be comforted. You don't have to do that. You, most of you already know this. But listen, John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. You will have sorrows. Listen, you've experienced them. I've experienced them. You're going to experience more. I'm going to experience more, but I love this, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The kingdom of heaven is real. Many of us are willing to live this life just humdrum every moment of every day, just kind of going through the motions. But Jesus is saying, listen, you you can pray, God, your kingdom come. These beatitudes, these kingdom attitudes, like we can, we can embrace these. We can say, God, I, I'm poor in spirit. I need you. I'm depending on you. I'm trusting in you. We can face sorrow. We can face grief. Not even face it. Like we can step into it knowing that 
the doors of heaven will open. The kingdom will be ours. It, it, he will comfort us. It, 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 it is ours. I hope this is making sense to you because there's another place of truly alive living that we can live on this earth. And this is how it happens. It's going to come here. You're going to experience the kingdom of heaven when you start surrendering everything to God and just seeking him with everything. And he's going to come and minister to you. He's going to minister through you. You've experienced the kingdom of God because others have done this and you've been around them. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray, but we're not finished. The worship team's going to come back in just a second. But after we pray, I want to give you an opportunity to just activate this word in your heart. And it's just going to take it's just a few seconds and then we're going to worship big, okay? But let me pray for you and then we'll do that. Father, I'm always so thankful for your word. Even when we look at it through our lenses, through our perspective and our culture, it just many times, God, it doesn't make sense. Poor in spirit, mourning. But God, when we can just back up and look at it through your perspective, through your lenses, through the lenses of the kingdom of heaven, God, we realize, God, there's so much power in this. There's so much of your presence we've never tapped into. There's so much of your kingdom we've never been able to experience. But God, you've given us these kingdom attitudes that we can walk in so that we can experience you. We can experience your kingdom like never before. And so, God, I ask you today that you would help us to just trust you with your word to acknowledge and recognize the fact that we're poor in spirit so that the kingdom will be ours, to, to, to be willing, not be afraid to step into sorrow, step into grieving, step into mourning so that you can comfort us like we've never been comforted before. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going I'm to give you just a few seconds to do this, but just take in that second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. I believe that just since I've been talking, I believe the Holy Spirit has just been kind of showing you some things that have been right in front of you. And, and they don't look exciting. It's, 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 a, it's a distress. It's a, it's a sorrow. It's, it's something, and, and you've avoided it. You've either physically disconnected, you've mentally checked out or whatever, but you're just not willing to step into it like Jesus stepped into that grieving moment of that family but you've done everything you could to avoid it. And his word, and I'm telling you today, like there's comfort in that place that you're afraid to step into. So before the worship team comes out, take about 30 seconds. I believe God's already showed you what that is, but take about 30 seconds and in your own way, just face it. Just tell God, God, I'm tired of running from it. God, I'm gonna give everything to you. I'm going to trust you in this place, and I'm going to be present in this place of pain, believing that your comfort is coming. Take a moment and do that, and then we're going to worship.